The High Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. Why compromise on a Jewish education when your child needs a remedial school? At King David Ariel, world-class facilities, expert teachers and therapists, and multidisciplinary therapies during the school day are a given. All this, while immersed in a Jewish environment, is a privilege. Our children benefit from integrated social, sporting, and cultural activities with Victory Park Primary, while still receiving the support they need to gain confidence and thrive when they mainstream. Don't compromise. Give your child first prize in Jewish remedial education at King David Area. 101.9. We are back, as we do every Monday, and really every Monday, even when... Half of us are out of the city, out of town, during the holidays here, there, everywhere. We are here on the show today because that's what we do, and we do it consistently. So here, as we do every Monday between 2 to 3, we discuss education, we discuss chinuch, we discuss how to be better people, how to influence our families, our friends, our communities, and just learn and grow together and achieve the life and place we want to be in. So, we are pretty much, I think it would be fair to say that we're all already deep in the December mode time in of the year. We are all in that space already of slowing down, holidays, our kids are home from school already. Yes, there is some work, but it's a whole different vibe and a whole different space. The one thing that is very different now, potentially between the whole year round, is that we are living without a schedule, a bit more chaotic. Well, maybe some of us do have their holidays scheduled out properly. Some of us don't. And a lot of differences between our lives, how we manage them and how we live them at the moment, different to a year all, all year, which could affect the discipline at home. It could affect our relationships. It could affect how we feel and what we do and how productive we are. And just really not necessarily give us the fun holiday, productive holiday that we want and need. And in order to make sure that does happen, because we are always here to learn and grow and achieve and understand what we can do better. So there are two ways, actually. One way is maybe if the listeners can send in their thoughts, ideas, and tips of creating a great, beautiful holiday for the family. And that you will do by sending us an SMS to 34519, 34519. Send us a telegram, 0618951019, or even call because it's holidays and we're chilled. So 0870551818. The other way to find out how to keep ourselves organized and in a good space and managing our homes and our families is by chatting, which is what I'm doing exactly, to Dorian Will, who is a clinical and organizational psychologist therapist and we know that organizational psychologist is probably what we need in these days and just chat and see what we can do to improve our holidays and improve our communication and in family interactions so let's dive right in there and see what we can learn and do and achieve today good afternoon dorian thank you so much for being with us today Rabbi, lovely to be back. Rabbi, those high FM audience very familiar with me. I had my own show there for a lot of time, long time, so it's very, very nice to be back um, with the Kai audience talk to you about how to make your holidays fun, connecting, productive, enjoyable, and just Okay. okay, so great. So uh, a lot of the audience that do know you from your own show and, you know, people 
come and go and listen. So let's hear and see. So organizing your holidays. Let's start with the key points of, you know, the difference between a chaotic holiday and a beautiful holiday. Okay, so Rabbi, just in, in your introduction, which just kind of got to me, I don't want to lose it, but I hope that it does answer your question. When you were promoting what was going to happen in your church, you spoke about transformational, education and transformational. And there was something that relates so much to the holidays about that word transformational, because transformational education doesn't only come from book learning education or the kind of education we associate with Tukha. We go to this and go over the book, learn things, study, and then you have exams or whatever. Transformational education or entrenched education is actually also sensory stimulation. And that is so much associated with possibility for holiday. So we know that if you look at very young children, the, and you look at the toys these days of young children, the colors that they use are only colors, red, white, and black for a particular reason. The textures that they use are textured because that kind of textured stimulation has an impact. A lot of those of experiences of play bring in sound. So all the sensory stimulation relate to the stimulation of the frontal cortex of the brain and, and that stimulation um, allows certain neurological pathways, especially those that are associated with abstract reasoning, to develop. What am I saying? What's the got to for how to organize the holidays. I'm saying that playing outside, touching sand, playing with water, having those kinds of different experiences, listening to different sounds, and indeed other way of learning, interactional learning. Because if you say to parents, how do children learn? There's three main ways. So one is example, second is example. So, so, Dorian, before we, before we go there, because uh, I'm scared we're going to lose all our young listeners by this great idea that holidays could be another way of education, although I'm all for it, <laughs> just I'm wondering when it comes to that education and that time, should that really be our focus? Well, look, um, I mean, talking about play outside and the benefits of play outside and the psychological impact of it as opposed to not that much time, not during the holidays. What's the main source of stimulation inside? Well, it's to do with your devices. So cell phones, it's your um, iPads, it's all of that. Now, I'm not saying that there's absolutely no benefit, but there are fun, educational, interactional, developmental advantages from the time that you might have during the holidays for other kinds of play. And I know that the concern is to do with safety. Parents would love to drop their kids off at a place where there's a play center or on a beach or whatever and say, I'll pick you up in three hours' time, play with your friends and have fun. 
But the concern on the other side of that is, are they safe? And we live with that all the time. Right, which so, we will we will have to address uh, as we go forward in the show. And we will be talking about that as well. We do need to take our first ad break, as uh, unfortunately time is running. And just to say, maybe after the ad break, we will go into the fun ways of learning exactly how you're saying, Dorian, which is, uh, I think, uh, quite special and important that we do have that during the holidays, these special fun uh, learning educational interactions, which I'm, I'm with you on completely. So a short break, and when we will come back, we will go to that. In the meantime, any ideas, anything from the listeners, 34519 is SMS line or Telegram 061-895-1019. We'll be right back with the fun, great ideas of educational achievements while we are enjoying our holiday. Why compromise on a Jewish education when your child needs a remedial school? At King David Ariel, world-class facilities, expert teachers and therapists, and multidisciplinary therapies during the school day are a given. All this, while immersed in a Jewish environment, is a privilege. Our children benefit from integrated social, sporting, and cultural activities with Victory Park Primary, while still receiving the support they need to gain confidence and thrive when they mainstream. Don't compromise. Give your child first prize in Jewish remedial education at King David Ariel. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 101.9 We are back and right before the break we spoke about how can we make our activities and our education and learning uh, during holidays better and more enjoyment and just, you know, make it amazing and special for all of us. And that would entail, I would say, Lorianne, uh, before we go into the actual topic of being in this great environment of exploring and growing and education through fun and enjoyment activities, we have a real challenge in our hands. And uh, before we even address the the options and ideas and tips, we have a real security challenge here, meaning that we can't just always, like we said before, go out with the kids or let the kids just go out and climb a tree or just ride your bike where you want, when you want, how you want. We don't have the ability to tell them just take your friends and go have a nice, chill, fun time in the local park. And we actually need to find a balance. How do we achieve all of these amazing things that you're speaking about together with our security situation currently here in South Africa? So in order to achieve that, we have been joined into this discussion by... Uh, Sean, Jimmy from uh, CAP Security, who will support and perhaps we can find this helpful, uh, good balance between all of us of what can we do to learn, achieve, grow and make this holiday amazing in the most safe way. So as Sean's joining, I'm just going to say good afternoon, Sean. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Hello to you and, and to all your listeners. Okay. So, Sean, I'd love you to join in here. Dorian is about to, um, uh, Dorian is about to share some activities and ideas and things that we can do to achieve throughout the holiday. And then we'll go to you and hear more from the security side of things, how practical it is, what we can do, what we can achieve and come out with some kind of formula. So, Dorian, your thoughts about the, the, Abilities and, and gaining of the outside times for sure. growth. I hope that you can hear me well. 
now. Yeah, it is better. Yes. Yeah, good. Sean, hi. We know each other. Hi, so it's lovely, lovely having you on here. And, you know, I can have all of the ideas and you can say whether they're viable or not. That's a lovely balance. So what do you think of in the holidays? Well, if you think of being in a place in Johannesburg, you might think, um, um, and kids playing outside, you might think, sometimes people think of taking them to play centers in shopping centers. Kind of, um, there are those in certain shopping centers that are designed for kids. And I guess that one of the things that I would want to ask you is, are they safe and how do you ensure their safety? Does a parent need to sit there and watch their kid all the time? Are there people taking care of the kids when you are in that place? Because I'm thinking of activities that are also stimulating and interactive. Those two criteria, interactive with the kids and stimulating for them at the same time. Then, of course, you think of outdoor places like parks. So before we go to outdoor places and parks and things, because I think there's a lot as well as the, uh, you know, the whole concept of adopting parts, parks and, and what can happen in that area. But maybe let's hear from Sean regarding what Doreen just asked. I think it's a very valid question, valid point. What are happening in the malls and the centers and the places can we let our kids have that free space without suffocating parents or whatever we our kids like to call us? It's it's so interesting that we've got uh, a, someone who is actually a mental health professional here because very often I, I sort of speak about separating the feelings of safety from from actually being safe. Statistically, if one if one looks across. All of the kids playing in all of the play areas and, and these supervised play areas, the number of incidents are so small as to be insignificant. Um, but uh, one always hears, and, and I think social media is is very often um, the thing that uh, affects and 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 decays our feelings of safety because. Uh, someone will either make up an incident or unearth an incident that happened many years ago or, or blow out of proportion a small incident that may or may not have occurred and that'll spread like wildfire. So, so negativity spreads like wildfire on social media and that'll affect people's feeling of safety um, within, within play centers whether or not they're physically safe. Um, I can tell you statistically, we've seen, uh, as I said, so few security incidents, real verified security incidents in these play areas um, as to be insignificant. Um, but, but that doesn't change the fact that one may feel unsafe in them. So, you know, what I often will speak about is how we can create feelings of safety, how we can, you know, Create uh, more resilience, uh, both you know within us as parents and within our kids, to to to, to all you know not only feel a bit safer but to be meaningfully safer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you know that, that that's the beauty of having Dory in this conversation because Dory can speak probably far more, in fact, definitely far more um, uh, uh, from a far more educated perspective as to how to do. So this. let's hear that, Dory. How do we create that safe feeling? within our kids. Yeah. Look, I think that you're absolutely right. I also think, and I, and I certainly would support what you're saying, I love what you said, feelings of safety from the reality of it. 
I also want to say though, you know, I need if I'm, I'm the parent, sort of 99.9%. I want to hear they're safe still. I'm sorry to challenge you, but at the back of your mind as a parent, if you think that there is the smallest chance, I do want the reassurance, even though that it could be unlikely. So I'm just putting that out there. Then when the reality is that the reassurance is that they're safe, you can start working on how to adopt that, accept that, and pass it on to the Dory, can children. you define the reassurance? When you say you want that reassurance, what kind of reassurance are you looking for? I want Sean from Cap, you know, to say in all of our research and the fact that we have watched this place, there has been no incident that's happened there over the time. It gets magnified, it's old story, it's a myth. Positively, uh, positivity is like Teflon. Negative, uh, negativity is like Velcro. People harp on that and it's just not true. Read my lips, it's not true. That's the first kind of reassurance of reality I want. So, Dory, I want to yeah. challenge that for a moment. And, and this is a very, uh, it's a question I'm, I'm curious about. We talk a lot about the reassurance that we need to know that we're actually safe, and that's exactly why we have Sean here, and we, we want to know, and I do want to get the time to talk about the parks and about letting our kids walk to shops and, and walk to schools and, and, you know, be in that safe space. Saying that, it sounds, from what Sean just said, and correct me if I'm mistaking, that statistically, when we talk about safety of our kids going to these malls, malls and, and play areas, they are way safer from a crime point of view at the place than they are on the way there from car accidents or from other challenges that are not crime related at all. And it doesn't seem like we're looking for another Sean to come on the show and say, reassure me that there's not going to be a car accident. How do I know that the route is safe? How do I know these things? So what is it about us that our anxiety is spiking when it comes to crime? And it's much more in control when it comes to other things. Yeah, it's an excellent question. And I mean, Sean, working in the area that he works in, I would love to hear his answer to that as well. I'm not evading the question. I think the thing is that we've always accepted that there is a 0.1 incident of accidents. And we've always, but I think that we've become much more sensitized to, to crime and uncertainty. And uh, that being almost a characteristic of South Africa, when you look at why people are making decisions to leave, almost always it's about safety and security and future going forward. So I think that that has become magnified. The other things might have been minimized because they've always been there. And also, well, the other things as well, the sort of lack of a sense of control. So if you're talking to parents who feel that, the reassurance is to say, look, statistically that's not true. The fact that you're still feeling it, what would make you feel more comfortable? And they might say just knowing that there's a supervisor there, you know, or whatever would make them feel more comfortable. So... I think that, and if they don't, the, the danger really, Rabbi, is that they project what they feel onto their kids. Exactly. It is so contagious. It's more contagious than any virus, actually. The feelings of the parents get picked up and absorbed 
and projected by the children. Which I think we need to address immediately. I just want to hear Sean's take on this. Yeah. So, so there's quite a bit that needs to be unpacked, right? Um, Dory asked for an assurance, and and I, I could give you a statistical assurance, which I pretty much can. I, there's been no recorded incidents within CAPS universe within our our footprint of an incident at at one of these supervised play areas. But but uh, having no historical precedent for this doesn't mean that one wouldn't occur and and what i'm what i'm saying is that you know building building sensible behaviors so it's not just about you know how one feels about crime and 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 the potential anxiety one could have about crime but it's it's actually building real sensible behaviors whether that you know uh, is stranger danger or whether that is your children knowing what's appropriate i mean i have a 19 year old who's six foot five i'd feel very comfortable leaving him in any play area um i'd worried about the other people in the play area huh. but but um you know so, so but but, but it, you know extrapolating that backwards you know it, it depends on the kid it depends on the play area and it depends on the parents level of comfort um be sensible about it uh, I, I, I think I think far rather than let fear make the decision for you, let an objective assessment of the environment make the decision for you. So if there is a caretaker and the caretaker does have medical aid training certificates on the wall and does converse well and does have assistance and the place looks safe and it has a good reputation, and, and it's in a reasonable area, then, then absolutely, you know, it's something that that seems like it's the right decision, provided your kid wouldn't uh, be anxious, you know, being left alone. But once again, that's that's not an area that I have have any expertise in. So, um, but but Rabbi, where you're a hundred percent correct, and I think Dari, you've you've answered the question. Um, around statistically you're far more at risk driving to that shopping mall or driving to that park. Um, I think, I think, you know, my experience has been, yes, you're absolutely correct, but it doesn't change the, uh, the emotional, um, the, the, yeah, the emotional impact that crime has and the anxiety that crime creates. And I think, uh, Dory, you, you, you hit the nail right on the head. It's the uncertainty of crime. It's the randomness of crime. It's the fact that it's totally outside of our control. Uh, we can buy safer cars. We can strap in. We can drive carefully. And, and please God, we can um, manage the risk of, you know, being, 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 God forbid, in, in an accident. But crime is much more random than that. Crime something that, yes, you know, I've made a career of managing that risk. But once you, once you move outside of, you know, the bubble that you can control, that's where it becomes really scary that's in my sure. I don't want to lose the opportunity because you have made a career of managing the risk. And parents have been made aware by you and by, by um, CAP of, of very, very good tips that they can incorporate in managing the risk and helping their child managing the risk. So I don't want to lose that. And then that kind of feeling of confidence. So you would tell the child about stranger danger. You would tell the child about people, you know, the, the kind of 
um, things that, that raise a bit of a, leg, a red flag to them. And you would be able to, to, to list them so that the child knows, but not with fear, but that if this happens, this is what I do. This is who I reported to. This is who I don't respond to. This is who I do respond to, which is indeed taking control and managing the risk. So, Dory, bef- before we go there, because there's, there's a huge factor when, when Sean speaks about managing the risk that we need to discuss regarding th- what is the risk. Because here's there's a very important concept that, that we need to look at the reality. The reality is that for kids to function in school, they need a certain level of dopamine that comes from physical movement, from exercise, etc. For kids to be not needing... Um, it, not having anxiety rates fly out of the sky, uh, out the roof, whatever, it's completely out of control. We need that movement. We need the social interaction. We need the sun. We need to be out there. We need to let kids have kids' conversations because with all, all the respects to ourselves, I mean, the reality is that the adults in... Um, in, in our community in South Africa necessarily are not necessarily the posters for happiness. And a lot of our discussions are around, you know, what's going to be, <clears throat> what's going to be with the uh, um, crime and what's going to be with finances and what's going to be with the future. A lot of worries and a lot of stress that happens in our discussions. So when we manage the risk, we need to also manage the awareness of risk, what is that putting anxiety on our kids? What of depression it's coming that they don't have the healthy developing relationships with their peers of just talking about nonsense. They're always around adults talking. And the sensory factor, the sun, the movement, the everything that I said before. How do we put that all of that into the question of managing the risk? Because it seems to be, when we look at our anxiety, and I'm going to end with because it's a very long question, it seems to be that perhaps we're paying a very high price in our kids' sensory regulation and our kids' anxiety and our kids' social development um, with our awareness of crime. So let's get a bit of a balance from there. Do you, do you want to... to let let so, me just say something about that. I think, I think um, Rabbi, you're absolutely right, and I think it is about balance. I think, unfortunately, our container for that is has got a little bit bigger in South Africa. There are certain things that have become mainstream which don't have to spill over into the whole realm of anxiety. The fact that you need to know who's at the door before you open it doesn't have to be fought with the anxiety. It just is. That is how we're living here. You know, does it cause extra anxiety? Maybe it's not the norm in every single situation and you'd prefer it not to be. But those kind of behaviors become part of just living and managing the risk and don't have to be absolutely imbued with huge anxiety. When you're talking to your friends, friends or playing with your friends, it really is what can we say only when someone who is unfamiliar, who may be older than you, and starts kind of behaving inappropriately, that that kind of little red flag gets raised. Not otherwise. Yes, and but so the I reality think that is, is, is calm. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, we do need to go to to an ad break. 
and I'll just put it this there and we'll get back after the break. The reality is that we're not happy with our kids walking in the streets on their own and we're not happy with them climbing trees and running in the park and we're not happy with them riding bikes and we're not happy with them, you know, having that normal childhood growth. And we need to see where that comes into play. Besides for the checking and the stranger danger, what is the uh, avoidance when we talk about the trauma around crime? What is the avoidance that we are avoiding their ability to go out and be there and enjoy relationships in life? I'm okay. going to leave you with that and we'll, we will come right back after the break and, and address that. Discam Wellness Clinic for Adults offers convenient and professional care to help you manage health risks. Whether you are having your regular wellness check, such as blood pressure or cholesterol, Discam Wellness Clinics offer you a broad range of health screening services, including female health screening with pep smears, family planning, and pregnancy screening. Fast, affordable, and with care. Find your nearest Discam Wellness Clinic inside. Discam Pharmacist, better health starts here. Why compromise on a Jewish education when your child needs a remedial school? At King David Ariel, world-class facilities, expert teachers and therapists, and multidisciplinary therapies during the school day are a given. All this, while immersed in a Jewish environment, is a privilege. Our children benefit from integrated social, sporting, and cultural activities with Victory Park Primary, while still receiving the support they need to gain confidence and thrive when they mainstream. Don't compromise. Give your child first prize in Jewish remedial education at King David Ariel. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 101.9 We are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion. I'm here with Sean from Cap Security and with Doreen, who is, uh, Dorian, who is a psychologist, a psychologist, a, uh, organizational psychologist, as well as a, correct me if I'm wrong, a educational psychologist? No. Clinical. Clinical psychologist, what I thought. Okay. And we're talking exactly about this balance between the security and the fear and the worries and between the costs that we're actually paying when it comes to anxiety, social communication, and the everything around that. So, Dorian, you, right before the break, you were speaking, and I'm wondering, where would you see that balance? Yeah. So, Rabbi, just to say, because I'd love to hear from Sean, I think I think it's about adaptation of behavior without excessive anxiety. So, if I give you an example, I've got my family here right now. We made Aliyah, and they're visiting here. They're here from Israel. Would they walk from where they are to my house? No, they wouldn't. Would they walk around Melrose Arch on their own? Yes, they do. Do they walk in a... Um, both, they know that they just don't. They're not excessively anxious. Their behavior is different. Would they walk much further distances in Israel? Yes, they would. So they're not walking around at all with anxiety being back in South Africa, but they've just adapted their behavior to what more of the norm is here. But they're not While walking around at all. Anxiety at the same time. Sorry. But they're not walking around at all, which creates anxiety. No, because they know if they're in the mall, they've been reassured. This is what you do. You can stay in the mall in this play center. We've got these tips for you. You know, whatever. Please don't go out of there. And I think, honestly, that Sean did hit the... I'm not minimizing the fact that we are not living a complete free 
normal anxiety and stress-free childhood existence here. But I do think that the way that parents deal with their kids, what the reality is, how it's how it's um, communicated to them, their acceptance of certain realities does a lot to help them not live in a perpetual state of anxiety and lock themselves in their houses all the time. Okay, got it. So, Sean, going to you, there's a, a few a few points I'd like you to refer to. A is exactly what we spoke about, your version of the, the managing the and finding the balance of the security. And because we're running out of time, I'm going to add two more points so I don't have to ask them later because we're, we're you know, very short on time. And the second thing would be the actual relevance of what's the reality. Can we let our kids go out? Can we not? Can they walk around? What, where do we put that into play? And going from there is if you can comment, if you do have that ability to comment on what seems to be the best solution is, uh, um, you know, when we adopt a park, when we make that park safe, when we get into the place that kids can run and go and play, and how do we make that uh, an option within our community and perhaps what the community can step up and do with CAP in order to help Thanks, Rabbi. Um, I, I think, look, I think, I think we've discussed, uh, managing this anxiety a lot and, and Dory's comment is 100% correct. There are places that we have made safe and places where we are safer and we feel safer. Uh, if we, if we go to Glen Hazel on Shabbos, we'll see, uh, kids of all ages walking around, um, and, and, and that's because as a community, we've managed to, uh, contain the risk that it's virtually insignificant and we're used to it and it's something that has, uh, uh, and it's something that's enhanced all of our lives, be it, you know, having managed that risk. There's places where, that you can't do that and, and that needn't bring anxiety into it. So I think, uh, you know, the, the most important thing to manage anxiety is really knowledge is, is to understand and to analyze and be objective about it and say, am I really less safe here? Um, or is this something that I'm, you know, being nervous about and being overly anxious about and I'm, I'm putting my stuff onto this? Um, so, so that, that would be, that would be my answer to the first question is really just be objective about it. Be objective about the threat. Um, okay. the second question you ask is, is what's the reality? What's actually happening out there? Um, and, and the short answer is that, you know, inside Cap's world, We've largely beaten um, a violent crime. Crime does occur, um, but 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 thank God, you know, because of the the, the privilege that's been afforded to the CAP team um, by the community, because of the hate behaviour of the community, because of a whole bunch of these you know factors which have come together, um, we're, we're we're much safer. Um, and and if you look at, for example, violent crime as uh, uh, you know, violent crime in shopping centers, hospitals, and schools as a percentage of total violent crime, it's around 2%. Um, so, so th- these are areas where, you know, y- you don't need to be concerned about crime. Having said that, um, and I think this, 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 uh, um, does talk to your, 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 your point. Um, 
well, maybe before I get to your point around how we manage risk inside parks and things like that, I, I, I think we do need to be clear that if you walk around in the public space with a brand new cell phone on display, the chance of somebody, you know, repossessing that cell phone is pretty significant. Okay, so just be sensible about it. Put your phone in your pocket, or don't take your phone with you, or whatever the case is. Um, so, yeah, once again, be sensible about managing your risk. The, the the final point around public space is a really interesting one, and you've touched on adoption of parks and um, you know that that sort of that, that sort of really cool stuff. And 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 as you you've probably seen, is caps playing more and more of a role in the public space. Uh, around park adoptions, our green team, um, beautifying areas. And, and that's something, you know, it, it forms part of a security function, funnily enough, called SIPTED, Crime Prevention Through Environmental Design. And it's trying to design our world uh, so that it's more used by people, so that it's more, it looks more beautiful, therefore people will spend more time in it. Because the gold standard for making parks safer is really just to use them, to use them in groups. Um, so where parks are busy and bustling and you've got, uh, you know, people walking their dogs and kids riding bicycles on tracks and, you know, the, 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 the playground equipment being used, that will be inherently safer and it will feel inherently safer. It ticks all of the boxes. So the question is, how do we get people out there? How do we get people, what's the first step? How do we get people to start using the parks? How do we get people to start using the public space? How do we get people to start walking again on Shabbos in, uh, in Glen Hazel? And, and, and I guess the answer is you made it feel safe and, 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 and you have these baby steps. So adopting the parks, we're busy with the Cheltendale Park, we're busy with um, the, the Galliot Road Park in Glen Hazel, we're busy with a few parks um, within our world. Make them uh, feel a bit safer, we can put up some fences around them, but but really it's not a safety, it's not a security exercise, it's a, it's a feelings exercise. How do we make it look more inviting? How do we make people want to go and spend time in the public space? Okay, and invariably the knock-on of that is a safer public space. I, I hope I've made sense. Yeah, you made sense, and there's a very important question I need to ask you. But we, Dory, just your comments, and then yeah, I just want to say thanks. Just riding on the back of it, I think that a sense of community and doing things together is incredibly important. So, you know, if you we started talking about this for your kids in the holidays, well, what that means is that you put yourself out there too. So instead of leaving the kid, you know, just in front of the TV or whatever, there's engagement. So you take them and you put themselves too and you go with other people. You know, a lot of what we're doing and what we do, especially on Shabbos and walking and so on, is is um, on maps. Doesn't have to be on huge maps, but with a group yeah. of people together, there's a feeling of safety and community when you do it. The kids just, pick that up. Just and an I idea. think that that's important, yeah. Okay. We, we've actually got, as part of this park adoption, we've got a, a little rock snake that uh, a whole bunch of kids have decorated stones, and we're making a snake that's stretching the whole right way around the Galliot Street Park in, uh, in Glen Hazel. As you know, part of this public space improvement. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Okay, so 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 I think, Sean, I, I will speak to you afterwards about the, this concept, and maybe through the show, we even get more awareness than people out there. We do need to take a short break, and when we come back, a very short question that I feel like I have to ask, and then we'll move, we'll head towards the end of the show. 
Why compromise on a Jewish education when your child needs a remedial school? At King David Ariel, world-class facilities, expert teachers and therapists, and multidisciplinary therapies during the school day are a given. All this, while immersed in a Jewish environment, is a privilege. Our children benefit from integrated social, sporting, and cultural activities with Victory Park Primary, while still receiving the support they need to gain confidence and thrive when they mainstream. Don't compromise. Give your child first prize in Jewish remedial education at King David Ariel. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 101.9 We are back and we really have like two minutes till the end of the show. And I, just one question and then we're going to go to wrap up. And maybe this is a question that we can't answer yet at this point. I s- came across a story today um, from the uh, United States of a certain robbery in a, in a certain area. I don't want to talk too much that had turned into a hate crime which was normally in a situation that the robber would have come. It was, as Sean, you said, nonviolent um, crime, and it wouldn't have been over with. However, when the, the criminal realized it's a Jew, and with everything happening, he actually harmed the person that he had robbed, which generally wouldn't have been a, a crime, a, 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 a violation of uh, a um a violent crime per se, which that's why it was uh, treated in the United States as a hate crime and not necessarily as a, a, a regular crime or whatever that means. My question is, do we have what to worry about? Is there any indication of any threat that we need to be more careful with when it comes to our children, our community stepping out? Uh, Rabbi, that, that's not, that not really caps... Um it's it's not really CAPS uh, a function is to track this type of thing. Um, that's something that the CSO does, and the CSO does incredibly well. Um, all I can say is that the the same concepts that it, that apply to violent crime will apply to any threat of violence, and that same amount of vigilance and and uh, and constructive community response. Is, is, is warranted in any, in any case. Um, we believe that people either have a propensity towards violence or not. And, uh, and that, you know, if there is a chance of being harmed, one needs to take actions to secure oneself. Okay. So ending off the show with this topic, uh, 30 seconds from each of you. Sean, I'll start with you. What is your vision going forward for the community? What do you hope to see? Uh, I, I, I think the sky's the limit. I'd I'd love to see a community where we're using the parks more. I would like love to reclaim the parks. I think there is a lot of fear around them. I'd love to see kids playing in the parks, and I think we're seeing that more and more. Um, and I'd love to see a place that when we arrive home, we have a feeling of ease that descends over us and a feeling of safety. Amazing. Dorian. Yeah, I actually share really the same vision. We're talking about parks and shopping centers. Right now we need to be talking about beaches also, what happens on the beach. Um, people are going down there. Just um, freedom and ease, freedom and ease, but with sensible sensibility. Your parents need to take a hand in it and put yourself out and go and sit there with your child for a bit where you would rather be, um, you know, sipping your drink around a pool, you need to do that because I would not definitely hate to think of children 
you know, really enjoying their their uh, holiday with a level of anxiety that is um, affecting them. Not at all. Amazing. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We do have. We're running out of time. Thank you, Dorian, so much for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. It's really been amazing. Thank you, Sana, for putting this interview together. Thank you, Craig, for managing the show. We didn't even say to everybody, but happy Hanukkah. Enjoy. And please, Ed, we'll have all the miracles that we had in the past. We'll have today and go into safety and calm and the war will end and everything will be great. And we will be back next week, Monday, 2 to 3, as we do every week. In the meantime, stay safe and enjoy your holiday.